today what I felt to talk about is private passion, public action. Um, and so basically, you know, like, I, I, I think a lot of times we, we, we look at ourselves, we look at our own charisma, our own talent, our own gifting, and sometimes we fall into comparison. In fact, social media in today's day and age, 2020, right, is, is, is compare and contrast or comparison on steroids. It's the worst comparison has ever been. I mean, um, like, like Pastor Juan and many of the pastors have been saying, this is a season and a time where we have to fall in love with God. This is a season and a time where we have to fall in love with God because if we're not going to be in love with God, we have so much distraction and so much entertainment and so much information that it can easily pull us away um, from where God wants us. So we're, 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 we're in this time where we're comparing ourselves with others and a lot of us, we, you know, we feel like maybe we're not as charismatic or maybe we're not as articulate or maybe we're not as educated um, or, you know, and, and maybe we feel like we're not equipped enough to, to be able to be used by God powerfully. But see, Apostle Paul, he said, I count all these achievements, all the achievements that we were taught to admire. And I'm not saying that some of them are not good, but Apostle Paul said, I count all these achievements, being a Roman citizen, being a lawyer, being of, 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 of the tribe that he was from, a prestigious tribe, uh, uh, being the one that follows the law the most. I mean, there you go. How does he know he followed the law the most if he didn't compare himself to other people? If he didn't compare himself to other people following the law, how did he know that he followed the law the most? So, so and, and he counted all those things as, as waste because he knew that his natural abilities were going to get in the way of the supernatural coming and swooping down and manifesting through him. He, he can, I can give you a simple example of this before we, we start. Apostle Paul, one, there was a moment where the Roman guards grabbed him and he said, it is unlawful for you to arrest me. I am a Roman citizen. And they let him go because he was a Roman citizen. Peter didn't have that natural achievement, so he had to get put in jail. But because he was put in jail, he fell into a trance. An angel had to appear. It, you see what I'm, where I'm going? Because he didn't have the natural ability, you know, because he didn't have that, God had to do something supernatural. So why am I getting into all of this? Because God doesn't is not looking for ability. He's looking for willingness. He's not looking for skill. See, there's too many people that want to wave the skill that God remembers putting inside their mother's womb. They want to wave the skill that God remembers putting inside of them at God. And God is looking for someone that says, I can't do it without you. Like my brothers that were talking about Moses. See, that's why God, Moses didn't just have an anointing. God actually used Moses. He used his, his, his mortality. He used his humanity to express his Godhead. He used his mortality to express his sovereignty, which is way beyond any anointing because of how small Moses was. Because Moses said, I can't do it, point blank, period. And the Lord says, well, I guess I'm going to have to do everything up in here. And the Lord went and did everything up in there. You know, so he's the one that split the sea. I, I, I even believe that when Moses, when he told Moses, put the staff at, uh, uh, at, at the water, that really God was using Moses as his staff because, because God is sovereign and he was using his humanity. But still, but still, even though we hear these stories and even though we hear these men of God speak, sometimes we just compare ourselves and we're like, man, where is my skill and where is my talent? And the Lord is saying, if you would make me your skill, if you would make me your talent, what you, what, what you would watch me do through you would be something new, something unusual, something different, something peculiar. And this is what God is looking for. And this is why what God is looking for is someone that is in private saying, yes, Lord. Someone that doesn't have it all figured out, that doesn't know how it's going to happen. They have no clue how they're going to go from point A to point E. I don't know if this has happened to you where you get these crazy, like paramount, colossal prophetic words and you're like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I, I, I don't know how that's going to happen. You know what I mean? I, I would love for it to happen, but gee whiz, folks. I don't know if you've ever gotten a word like that. I definitely have. And, 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 and it just, it made no, I don't know how God is going to do that through me. And, and, and the truth is God did some of the things he promised and he went through the back door. He did it in a way that I had no, I, I couldn't have expected. And God likes to surprise us. So basically what I want to talk about today 
is how God is looking for a private yes. He's just looking for someone that, that, that is not basing their yes on ability, but they're basing their yes on his goodness. They're not basing their yes on, 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 on what he can do for them necessarily. They're basing their yes because of the need of the, need of the people. They're basing their yes on, on how good he is. Okay, and so I want to I wanna, I wanna get into this. And, but before I continue, I just want to say you are both called to be a radical worshiper and a radical soul winner. All right, Jesus told the Samaritan woman, the time is coming and it's already arrived where the true worshiper shall worship in spirit and truth. If you are called to be a true worshiper, which you are, that means you're called to be a, a soul winner. There are certain things that, that are a commandment and it's beyond the gift because it's an expression of God's heart. Evangelism is an expression of who he is, right? And the Bible says, for he cannot deny himself. So God is calling you to express his love. And, and, if, and, if, and let me just say this. If the harder evangelism is for you, if you're watching here and you say, you know what, I'm, I don't, I don't, it's hard for me to approach people. I'm an introvert. I don't know how to, how, I'm not an eloquent speaker. I'm not like this person. I'm not like that person. Did you know that when you go and you evangelize, when you speak to someone, when you share the gospel, did you know that your reward is going to be greater than mine? I can prove it to you. Everybody was giving an offering. The woman that gave the two coins was the only offering Jesus spoke about. Even though some other people gave a, gave a greater amount, they didn't give as much of a sacrifice. Because she gave everything that she had. And because she gave everything that she had. Because she gave what hurts, it impressed Jesus. Jesus was impressed. And because he was impressed, the reward is greater. Because it took faith. It took sacrifice. So if it's harder for you to, to be bold. If it's harder for you to, to speak in public. And God sees that, you're, that your legs are trembling. Let me tell you, the fire will burn out of your mouth. The fire will come out of your mouth. And you will say, how did he do that? Because in your weakness his strength is perfected because it's not by strength or by might it's not by charisma or talent it's not by education or eloquence it's not by no it's by willingness it's by his spirit says the Lord so go with me to uh, Luke chapter 7 verse 37 and I'll go ahead and, and read you can read with me you can write it down and behold a woman in the city who was a sinner when she knew that Jesus sat at the table in the, in, the, in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of fragrant oil, and stood at his feet behind him weeping. And she began to wash his feet with her, with her tears and wiped them with her hair uh, of her head, with the hair of her head. And she kissed his feet and anointed them with the fragrant oil. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he spoke to himself saying, this man, if he were a prophet, would know who and what manner of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answered and said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. So he said, teacher, say it. There was a certain creditor who, who had two de de uh, uh, de debtors. One owed 500 denarii, the other 50. And when they had nothing with which to repay, he, he, he freely forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will, will love him more? Simon answered and said, I suppose the one who he forgave more. And he said to them, you have rightly judged. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she, but she had washed my feet, but she has washed my feet with her, with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. You gave me no kiss, but this woman has not ceased to kiss my feet since the time I came in. You did not anoint my head with oil, but this woman has anointed my feet with fragrant oil. Therefore, I say to you, her sins, which, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much, but to whom lives Little is forgiven, this, the same loves little. See, this is the, one of the, there are many interesting things here. One of the interesting things here is that, first of all, Jesus is using what this woman did as an example to rebuke his own disciples that have been walking with him, watching him do miracles. Okay? So his own disciples were unwilling to do what this woman went ahead and did. Okay? And he was using her as an example. Another thing that's interesting is she had no fear of people speaking bad about her. And there were people already thinking bad about her. There's another, there's another version. This one says she's a sinner. There's another 
version that where Judas was like, what if we could use that money for the poor? There's, you know, they were already thinking bad about what she was, what, what she was doing. But you know what? She, she, she had no fear. But the interesting, another interesting thing is the reason she had no fear was not because of some, some violent bravery. It wasn't because of some, some violent chivalry. It was because, because, because the, only, the only opinion that mattered to her was the only one that ever showed that he cared about her. It was because it was because she let go of her reputation. She let go of her reputation. So it wasn't out of some ferocious uh, a boldness that we're used to thinking that God wants to use us with. It was it was because of a desperation. She was so desperate for this love. She was like, you could think whatever you want to think about me because I am nothing. And Jesus was like, wow, this woman is doing what not even my disciples are, are, are doing. And here's another thing that's interesting. The Bible says the hair of a woman is her glory. She was surrendering her glory. She was publicly surrendering her glory for his. She took everything that, that, that she had of value. All she, all she had of value was that alabaster box and her hair. That's all she had of value. It was her beauty. She, she, she went down and, and, she, and she hid her beautiful face. She hid her face, which was, which was down, kneeling down, and she, and she used her glory as a rag because, because her, her righteousness is filthy rags before him. And she washes and she washes feet and 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 with her with her glory surrendering to him surrendering and it was this surrender that made her bold it was this surrender that made her stand out there's another version where Jesus says she's preparing me for my burial some of them didn't even know what he was talking about because worship it goes beyond the gift of prophecy because intimacy goes beyond prophecy intimacy makes you makes you go beyond your time you are ahead of your time when you are intimate that's why that's why like my brother was talking about Moses the Bible says to my prophets I speak in dreams and visions but not what not so with my servant Moses with my servant Moses I speak face to face and not in hidden mysterious sayings in other words there is something higher than being a prophet there is there is there is surrender when you are surrendered in private when you say yes Lord in private when you're like Lord without you I'm nothing all of a sudden all of a sudden he makes you a public example and you weren't even looking for it all of a sudden you're not afraid of people's faces all of a sudden you're not intimidated by other people that have been serving in the church longer than you you're not intimidated by everyone around you because all you know is you felt like you were nothing and this one person the, the Lord Jesus Christ is the only one that cared about you and that's all you care about so everything everything it gets it gets drowned in the blood of Jesus everything around you so, and it also says, another version says, the fragrance of the perfume filled the room. And the fragrance represents the presence of God. Worship filled the room. Jesus was showing his disciples, this is how you worship. In fact, Mary was one of the ones that were the first ones to see Jesus resurrected. Again, intimacy makes you ahead of your time. She was one of the first ones because she believed him, even if it didn't make any sense. She didn't need proof. She knows this is the one that loved me when nobody loved me. This is the one that cared. And this private passion, if this private passion, it bled into public action. See, what happened, what happened before is that she was going to get stoned. And Jesus was the only one that came to her defense. And then he said, woman, look, where are your accusers? And he defended her publicly. She had not, I don't think this woman was used to being defended. I don't think she was used to being spoken for. I don't think she was used to being honored. So, she, so like the Bible says, it says the kingdom of God is like a man that found treasure in a field, buried the treasure in that field, went home, sold everything he had, came back and bought that field. She, she gave everything she had and it, and it, and it elevated, her, elevated her to a place of power that not even the disciples knew how to be at yet. Okay, so, and then he said, he who loves much is, 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 he who is forgiven much loves much. See, when you have these moments with God, I remember when, when I got saved. Unlike a lot of you, most of you know my testimony, or some of you that know me know my testimony. Um, those that don't, I was mentally ill when I was a teenager, uh, uh, just out of high school. Um, I, I hadn't graduated, you know. Um, I was diagnosed with mental illness because I did some bad LSD, and um, I was super depressed. I was on medication for five years. 
um, I, I, I was suicidal. I didn't believe in Jesus because unlike some of you, I didn't have the blessing of being raised with the Bible. And make a long story short, Jesus came into my life in a radical, powerful, personal way. He came into my life in a way that it wasn't a preacher, it wasn't a persuasive preaching or, or, or an eloquent speech, it wasn't somebody uh, being persuasive, it was something powerful, undeniable, spiritual, and personal. And there was a point where someone gave me, they were, they were like, hey, uh, this is just some, some rock, some Christian rock, why don't you listen to, check it out, see if you like it. And I went home and I, and I, and I put the Christian rock um, um, on just to listen to it. And I ended up falling down and, and, and worshiping God and praying and crying for over an hour. When I discovered that love, when I discovered that I can experience that in private, I went crazy hours every day, every day, every day. And it wasn't because I'm good. And it definitely was not because I'm righteous. It was because I was nothing but lonely and desperate. I was lonely and desperate. And because I was lonely and desperate and I had discovered this presence, I would even find myself thanking God for God because it was still blowing my mind that he was real. It was blowing my mind that he exists because I already had accepted that I would never be healed from mental illness, that the, the rest of my life was going to be misery, that there was no way out. I didn't believe in Jesus because he was just a religious figure to me. But, but, but when Jesus came into my life in such a real, personal, crazy way, I thought that I was going to find the girl of my dreams and that's what, what was going to make me happy and I was dating more than ever and I was em more empty than ever until Jesus came into my life and when he came into my life and I started to experience that love I held on to that love with everything that I had and I don't even know how out of nowhere I would be in the street I would be with people and I would quote the Bible and I would quote the word of God and they would they, people were they thought I, I had been saved two years a year and a half and I had just gotten saved two three months ago and and it was because I was not because I was good people were looking at me like I was powerful but me and God knew the truth me and God knew there was nothing powerful there it was nothing but desperation it was nothing but loneliness it was nothing but being fragmented he was the only one that could put me together doctors convinced me that there was no way out I accepted that my life was going to be misery and then and then Jesus came and he swooped in and put the pieces together and did the impossible. And so I held on to everything that I had. But there's something that happened. There's something that happened right after that. That when I held on, all of a sudden, all of a sudden the Lord reminded me, but Peter, there are people that are outside that still feel the way that you felt. And so my private yes, God was taking my private yes to, a, to, a, to public power. He was taking my private passion to, 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 to public power. And so that's why I'm explaining to you the way the private passion starts. And see, when you have private passion, there is no way to contain it. When you have private passion and God has been good to you, there is no way, there is no way that everything inside of you is going to say, open your mouth. Everything inside of you is going to say, why? Because, because you, you're going to start to identify with others. And I'm going to get into that right now. Go with me to Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1 to 8. Verse 1 and 8. In the year that King Uzzah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Again, the filling of his presence Above it stood seraphim, each one had six wings. With two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is filled with his glory. And the posts of the door were shaken by the voice of him who cried out, and the house was filled with smoke. So I said, Woe is me, for I am undone. Because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then the seraphim flew to, flew to me, having his hand in his hand a live coal, which he had taken with the tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your, your, your iniquity is taken away, and your sin, your sin purged. Also, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and whom will, will go for us? Then I said, here I am, send me. This is, this is the interesting thing. It started where, where Isaiah 
was in the throne of God and the, and the presence of God filled his throne. The, 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 the glory cloud, the Shekinah glory filled his throne. The, his, his, his train filled the temple and, 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 and there was smoke all in the room, right? And, and because of that, because the presence was there, there is no way for you to be in the presence of God and for you to not spiritually see. So when he was in the presence of God, God opened his eyes and he opened his spiritual eyes, which is what happens in private passion. There, when, when, when there's real private passion, when there's real private intimacy, God opens your spiritual eyes and he opens your spiritual ears and he starts showing you the way people are affected by your actions. He starts showing you the effect that your words have on others. He starts showing you what, what you know, the consequences of the things that you do, but he shows you in such a beautiful way. He shows you in a way where he is inviting you to, to his beauty and, and, and where he is inviting you to exchange your sin for his holiness and to exchange your ashes for his beauty. And so right here, he's opening Isaiah's eyes and then Isaiah responds right away, woe is me, a, a, a man of unclean lips. Right away, he sees spiritually, man, my mouth, my mouth is full of perversion. And then he said, and I am surrounded by a people of unclean lips, right? And it says, for my eyes have seen the king. He's reiterating, it's because I am seeing spiritually that I can see myself, right? This is also seen in 2 in second Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, where it says, beholding him as if looking in a mirror, we are being transformed to the same image from glory to glory. Let me just say this, the, the only real reflection, the only clear reflection that you will ever see is the reflection of the face of God and yours. The only clear reflection of who you really are, the only only clear perspective on who you really are is not going to come from a mirror. It's going to come from the mirror of the Lord. It's going to come from his presence, right? And so he's saying that I am a man of unclean lips. I am surrounded by a people. So right away, he becomes concerned about the people because when God opens your eyes and you receive the blessing and, and right away, you start to identify with other people because there is no love without identifying. There's, you, you cannot love someone that you do not identify with, right? And I'm, I'm going to get into that right now so he says and I am surrounded by a people with unclean lips so God is showing Isaiah the need of his people and then and then he says who will I go I've taken away your sin now so now that I've taken away this sin who will go and he says Lord send me his his private passion with the Lord this encounter with the Lord it, it, it caused him to identify with the Lord more than he already had and then that immediately causes him to identify with the people that he came out of more than he ever had and now see see when you don't identify with someone you can sympathize with them but walk away when you identify uh, identify with someone you have to act you can't walk away anymore because you see yourself when you see their pain you see your pain when you think of them going to hell you're like they're just like me that's like me burning forever I have to do something let me start with getting on my knees and crying out for them because you start to identify this is why the Bible says love God with all your heart soul and mind and likewise love your neighbor as yourself because the more you fall in love with God the more you identify with him the more when you hear his his word you identify with it the more you, you your life is entangled in his and the more you start to identify with the people around you you can't just you can't just religiously sympathize anymore now you have to do something about it. So Isaiah said, Lord, send me. And, and this moment, this private passion became public action. And this is why I'm even reading from the book of Isaiah. Because this book is part of his public action. That, that, will, that will echo in eternity forever. Because he said, yes, Lord. And what we don't know is that, is that God takes that private brokenness. He takes that brokenness. He takes those that say, Lord, I'm nothing. Lord, I can't do anything without you. Lord, I'm nothing special. God takes those and they become famous in the eyes of the Lord. God takes those and he fills them with his glory and then he never forgets them and their name will be forever known in eternity. Mary did not know when she was doing that that I would be quoting her this day. She just did it out of an expression of love. She did not know, she had no clue that she would become an example for many, many teachings to come. Isaiah had no clue that he would be an example for many teachings to come. He was just responding to the touch of the Lord and said, God, I have to reach out to the people. That's why the Bible says, if you say you love God but hate your brother, you are a liar. What does that mean? How do you identify with me but you don't identify with what I identify with? 
how do you identify with me, but you don't identify with who, what I, I identify with? The Bible says if you're able to take the evil out of the good, you will be just as my mouth. If you're able to take the good out of the vile, you will be just as my mouth. Why? Because that's what God does with you and me. He takes the good. He, that's what he does with humanity. He takes the good. So, God, when we, when we look into the mirror of the Lord, when we have these encounters with the Lord, when we have these moments with the Lord, God causes us to see him, and then he causes us to see ourselves the way he sees us. And then when we are able to see ourselves the way he sees us, we start to see others the way he sees them. And then when we start to see others the way he sees them, we will say, Lord, send me. And when we say, Lord, send me, he's going to equip you. Because the Bible says he gives seed to the sower. It doesn't say he gives, let he who has seed sow. No. It says, let the one that has no seed, that says yes, be, be filled with seed. He gives seed to the sower. The one that says yes, Lord, is the one that gets anointed. A lot of us are praying for anointing. A lot of us pray, God, anoint me. But let me tell you something. One of the fastest ways to get anointed is soul winning because it's the business of the Father. And when you go out and you're doing his business and you're doing what is valuable with him, this is why in the Bible God always compares souls to money so that we will understand that souls are his money. Souls are the most valuable thing to him. Souls are his treasure. When he says, do you not, if you have 99 coins and you left one behind, would you not go after the one coin? He goes, and I am the same. I leave the 99 behind to go after the one so that we would understand that we are his treasure. People are his treasure. And, 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 and when, when people are his treasure, we're going to do the Father's business. The Father's going to equip us. There's going to be word, fresh word in our mouth. There's going to be fresh anointing on us. God is going to manifest in extraordinary ways. And we're going to get into that right, right, right now. Now, Satan... Will always, he will always attack action and movement with self-preservation. See, in intimacy, this is why the Bible says love your neighbor as yourself. Because God knows you identify with yourself. God knows that we can identify with our own pain. We can identify with the things that we desire. And God is saying if you can identify with someone else's pain and someone else's desire, right, then, then, then you are loving them like you love yourself. And so, but Satan wants to use the self. He wants to use self-preservation the opposite way. This is why Satan was able to speak through Peter and tell Jesus, do not go. Because Peter was, was, was afraid and he was wanting his own preservation. He was wanting Jesus to remain for his own benefit, right? And so this is why uh, uh, Peter struggled with self-preservation. He told Jesus, I will never deny you. And then Jesus told him in front of the disciples, you will deny me, Right? When the crow cries three times, you would, when the crow cries, I'm sorry, you would have denied me three times, right? Because he struggled with, with self-preservation. This is why when Jesus was resurrected, in the 40 days he walked with them, after he was resurrected, he told Peter, when you are old, they will take you to a place you do not want to go. Why? Because he wanted Peter to die to his self-preservation because he knew that Peter was struggling with self-preservation. And when Peter made a decision to die to his self-preservation and said, yes, Lord, and this is why Jesus was like, if you love me, feed my sheep. In other words, lay yourself down for them. When he said, yes, Lord he became the boldest one on the book of Acts the Bible says he stood up when no one even called his name let alone denying in fact he's the one he chose to confess he stood up and 3,000 were added it doesn't just say 3,000 were saved it says 3,000 were added that day because because he allowed the Holy Spirit to, 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 to fill him and take away his self-preservation a lot of times we do not want to act in public we don't want to speak in public on behalf of the Lord we don't want to allow the Lord because we're thinking about ourselves what are they going to say about me? How am I going to look? I'm going to look crazy. What, what, what's going to happen? I don't, you know, what, 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 I, I, I don't know. People are going to, maybe, maybe I'm going to stutter. I don't speak well. And Satan uses the self-preservation because, because he, he knows that there's something that hasn't been surrendered in private yet. 
emphasis on the, on the word yet. There's something that hasn't been surrendered yet in private. So he's using the self-preservation that hasn't been surrendered to keep you from speaking the word. Because what happens is when you allow God to move, you discover who you and God are together. You discover that you were not meant to be natural. You discover that your life was meant to be supernatural. You start to discover what you're able to do. You and God, what you're able to do together. So the enemy wants to use self-preservation. Uh, the, the, the Lord, what's going to happen? Or, or they're going to make fun of me. But see, if you, if you take that fear in private, you take that to private and you say, Lord, I'm willing to do it. No matter what, I'm willing to do it. He's going to fill you with supernatural boldness. Let me tell you something. When I first got saved, when I first got saved, I wanted to share the gospel. I wanted to tell everybody what happened to me. Because of this, these encounters that I was having in private, I, 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 I knew that people did not understand what, what this real God, who this real God is. I, un, I knew that people did not know what it was to really encounter God that way. So when I, I, went, I wanted to tell everyone, but I was afraid. There were times I didn't know what to say. I didn't know the word of God. I didn't know how to approach it. But then I, I read in the book of Acts where it says that the disciples prayed for boldness. And I thought to myself, if the disciples that walked with Jesus, that actually walked with him, that actually saw him raise the dead, that actually saw him do miracles, still needed boldness, who am I to not, to not pray for boldness? So I pray for boldness. But this is what happens. When you're in intimacy with God, you start, you start losing consciousness of yourself. You stop being self-conscious. You stop, you stop looking at yourself because you're so enamored by the God that you're looking at. And so what happens is you don't even notice when that's starts happening in public when you start stepping out by faith you don't even realize that you stop being conscious of yourself there's so many things that God used me to do and I look back and I'm like I would have never done that I would have never done that in the natural things things that I'm like man I put my life at risk in the natural I would have never done that but the thing is that God took the private the private yes the public action and he turned it in he, the private the, 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 the private passion and he turned it into public action the Lord used the private yes so that in public he can move through me and do things that I wasn't even aware, fully aware that I was doing. I mean, there were times I remember that, that there was a car that, that I went up to and I was, I, I didn't even tell the person I wanted to speak about Jesus yet. And I stuck my head in his car and he started putting his hand like that, like he was reaching for something. And I go, listen, I want to, I want to tell you about Jesus. And right when I said that he put his car in reverse and sped off backwards. I don't even know what happened to be honest with you. I mean, there's, there's things that happen where I remember one time this, I was, I was, I was evangelizing to this girl and then, her, then her boyfriend came out. I guess he thought I was trying to holler at her, I don't know. And he was like, nah, nah, let's go, let's go. And I don't even know why I did this. I go, maybe you don't want Jesus, but she does. Don't get in the way of her salvation. Things that I would have never done. I remember one time this guy told me, no, nah, I don't want to hear that. And, and, and I opened this car door and spoke to other people in the car. And God ministered to them. Things that I walked away and I'm like, man, I would have never done that if I was in my feelings or if I was in my mind. Because what happens is when you allow the Lord to move through you, he starts, he takes the natural, he makes it supernatural. It's not about your ability. God is not looking for your ability. He's looking for your yes. yes. So go with me to Acts chapter 8 verse 34. You guys can read it if you want. I know that I should just use my phone, but I just like being old school. See, this is, and I want to say this before I read, I want to say this. This is, this is what happened. A lot of people think that, that David was always a warrior, right? But the Bible says when David went up to Saul and Saul said, you can't do this, right? He said, you can't do this because you're just a kid and he was a warrior since he, since he was a kid. David started to tell him, the Lord gave me the lion, he gave me the bear. But before he said that, he said, the lion and the bear came and they snatched the, the lamb, right? They snatched the lamb and he goes, and I, and, and I went after it. And, and, when it and, and, I, and I took back the lamb and when it came for me, I grabbed it by its beard and I struck it. And the, and the Lord gave me the lion and the Lord gave me the bear. What we missed there, what I missed 
before is that it was actually David's commitment to, to his father and to the Lord to take care of the sheep that led him into learning war because it was actually when the bear or the lion came after him that he struck them. So it was because he, was, he allowed himself to be put in that position. It was actually his worship that turned him into a warrior because the Bible says David was both a worshiper and a warrior, but it was his lifestyle of worship that led him into that lifestyle of war to the point that when he faced Goliath, he actually, before he killed Goliath, he told the Jews, he said, he said, and you will learn today that God does not save with sword or javelin or spear and that the battle is the Lord's because he wanted them to know their identity. He wanted them to identify with God. He didn't want to be famous. He didn't want to be the, the renowned man of God. He wanted the people of God to awaken. He wanted them to know who their God was and, and that they're not meant to be natural. And he, and he says, and you're going to see right now what you're meant to be. Right now when I do this miracle, because what he was doing in private with the Lord, his private yes to the Lord, his private worship to the Lord, his intimacy when nobody was watching, when he was completely separate from other people, when he was, when he was there taking care of what the Lord wanted him to take care of and what nobody cared about, what nobody cared about, the sheep, when, when he was doing that and he was, he was playing his harp to the Lord and he was singing to the Lord and he was worshiping the Lord, the Lord was preparing him, the Lord was building a warrior inside of him and the Lord was causing him to identify with him and this is why the Bible says those that know their God shall do powerful exploits in his name because when you know your God and you go and you come out you know that God is gonna is gonna is gonna back you up in public even if you don't have the words you know God is gonna give you the words this is why the Bible says that David had left his he had left his equipment at home it says he left his equipment at home and then it says and then he went and got five smooth stones he didn't even have the stones with him he didn't even have the stones with him but he had his faith and he knew that God was gonna back him up even with stones he didn't even have them on him and this is why when we go up to people and we don't have a prophetic word we don't have the eloquent words we don't know how to preach the gospel we don't know how to evangelize if you go in faith he's gonna give you the words the words are gonna come out of your mouth and you're gonna know how to tackle that giant maybe some of you speaking in public has been your giant some of you standing up for your faith for your belief or praying for family members that has been your giant but when but when you are uh, in private you you have that intimacy with God you have that passion with God God is gonna fill you with his boldness and even if you don't know what to say his words are gonna flow out of you and by by allowing him by allowing those steps of faith that's how you're gonna learn how to speak uh, not allowing him to do that that's how he's gonna anoint your mouth this is why the Bible says it says those that believe my word living water shall flow from their belly because those that believe his word are those that act it's those that move it's those see faith is connected to action there is no faith without action this is why the Bible says faith without works is dead because faith actually unlocks the manifestation inside of it because when you when you act it unlocks what is inside of that faith and it manifests and then you see what God has placed in you because the devil does not want you to see what God has placed in you the devil does not want you to understand that you are not natural listen to what I'm saying here Satan needs you to be natural for him to have influence over you for him to be able to control your mouth for him to be able to control your actions he requires you to be natural because once you're not natural once you know how to believe God in the impossible once you are willing to face a giant see this is what I'm saying it wasn't that David was born a warrior it wasn't that David was always a soldier that's what we think about bravery. We, we think that bravery is just, you're just born with it. No, it's because of his worship to God. He wasn't gonna be lazy. He wasn't gonna do an unexcellent job with his father's sheep. So he put his life at risk to be able to be pleasing to the Lord. And in putting his life at risk to be pleasing to the Lord, the Lord taught him how to be a giant killer. But his life had to be at risk. You have to take a risk for the Holy Spirit to show you who you are. You have to be willing to, that's why God told Joshua, be strong and of good courage. Wherever the bottom of your foot touches, it will be given to you. But he was saying, listen, if your foot, if your foot doesn't touch it, I can't give it to you. If you don't step, if you don't move, I go where you go. I move when you, when you believe my word. When you believe my word, that's when I give it to you. But the Lord is saying, be strong and of good courage. 
There's a lot of you watching that God has given you prophetic words. God has promised things to you. God has put things in your spirit. God has given you prophetic dreams. God has given you prophecies, but you haven't seen them come to pass. And you're wanting another prophecy, but maybe God is waiting for you to honor and obey what he already spoke. And when you act on what he already spoke, then he's able to give, give you a fresh revelation. That's when he's able to give you new wine. That's why the Bible says he cannot pour new wine into old wineskin. Wineskin was made out of goat, out of goats, out of goat skin, which means he can't pour new wine unless there is a new, there isn't a new sacrifice. There needs to be a new sacrifice for there to be a new wineskin. But but the sacrifice requires for us to do things that are uncomfortable. It requires for us to be willing to lose our reputation like Mary. It requires for us to be able to honor God in private like David. It requires us to be willing to suffer in the desert like Moses. There are requirements. Hello, if we're, if we're willing to take a risk, then there's going to be anointing on your life that is going to be peculiar. This is why God told Solomon, if you, if, you, if you live my statutes, he says, there will be none like you, none before you and none after you. Because honoring God produces uniqueness. Instead of comparing ourselves to others, we need to get in private with God and compare ourselves to him. We need to seek him and seek his face and allow him. We need to allow him to transform us. We need to allow him to be able to work in us. And God's going to use, you don't need to try to be super bold. You don't need to try to be something you're not. This is an example of what God does with those that step out. This is an example of public action. Acts 8.34 So the eunuch, so what has happened here is the, the angel of the Lord came to Philip and the angel of the Lord told Philip, go and preach and there will be a eunuch, right? Uh, the, uh, go and preach and, 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 he, and he gave him directions. He didn't say there will be a eunuch, but he gave him directions. And so right here it says, so the eunuch answered Philip and said, I ask you, of whom does the prophet say? The eunuch was reading the book of Isaiah. Of who does this prophet say? Of say this, of himself or of some other man? Then Philip opened his mouth and beginning at the scripture, preached Jesus to him. Now, as they went down the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, see, here is water. What hinders me from being baptized? Then Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God. And he commanded the chariot to stand still. And both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and he baptized him. Now, now when they came up out of the, out of the water, the spirit of the Lord caught Philip away so that the eunuch saw him no more. And he went on his way rejoicing. But Philip was found at, at Azotus and passing through, he preached in all the cities till he came to Caesarea. See, here, here what happened is, is, is God, is, is, is Philip, obeyed the voice of God and went and baptized this man. And when he baptized this man, he came out of the water and he was in another city. God transported him. What is my point? There is an aspect of who God is that you will never experience outside of evangelism. There is an aspect of who God is that you will never know. There is an aspect of his personality there is an aspect of yourself that you will never know outside of evangelism how can I say such a thing oh but only some people are called to be evangelists no the seat of an evangelist is someone that is called to equip people for evangelism they're not supposed to replace the fact that all of us are soul winners God has called you to be a radical soul winner and so and so when you go out and you step out by faith and you are willing to take that risk where the where the private passion brings you to the point that you can't contain it anymore because you appreciate what he did in your life so much because because what he did to you in private is is so real that you can't keep it to yourself because love gives and you and you and you have to go out and express him that is when God is going to give you an anointing that that is unusual and unique that is when see what anointing what anointing is there for transporting what anointing is there for splitting the ocean what anointing is there? I don't, I don't read that anointing. That's the sovereignty of God. But see, that happens when we are weak. When we are weak. And then, and then we allow him to move. We allow him to do things that we would have never seen. God wants to show you things that you have never seen. God wants to use you in ways you have never imagined.
But the thing is, some of you want to stay in the boat. Yeah, you see the waves in the ocean, but you know as long as you're in the boat, you're safe. What am I saying? So you, you see what's going on in the world, but as long as I'm around this little community and I just stay here, I'm safe. As, 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 as long as I stay in this little place, I'm safe. As long as I only keep it online, I'm safe. As long as I do things in a comfortable way, I'm safe. But God is saying, I don't want safe, I want powerful. I don't want safe, I want world changing. We can't change the world and stay safe. We have to be willing to take a risk. And go with me to Hebrews 11.30. This is my last scripture. See, that's why, that's why some, there, there's so many arguments over culture and over, and over race. Because we love what we identify with. We love who we identify with. But sometimes if we're identifying with those things more than we're identifying with God and more than we're identifying with the kingdom, they're keeping us natural. And they're keeping us from our true identity, which is supernatural. Hebrews 11.30. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they encircled for seven days. My brother Eli was preaching on this. By faith, the harlot Rahab did not perish with those who did not believe when she had received the spies with peace. And what more shall I say? <laughs> what more shall I say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah, also of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the, violent, the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong. It doesn't say God used their strength. It doesn't say, and these were mighty men. It does not say that. It does not say, and these were mighty women. It does not say that. It says they were weaklings. Out of weakness, they were made strong. But because they didn't make themselves strong, because I made them strong, their strength will forever ring in what some call the hall of faith. Their faith will be forever known. And if you keep reading, it says, and the world was not worthy of them. Because faith is preparing for the world to come. And it doesn't respect this world that's perishing. They were living in eternity already. Their eyes were already on eternity. And the, wor the world was not worthy of them. God is calling you in such a way that the world would not be worthy of you. But the devil does not want you to know this. He doesn't want you to know how valuable you are to God. He doesn't want you to know the problem that God predestined for you to solve. He doesn't want you to know that you are a specific weapon in his hands. And that nobody can replace you. Nobody can do what you do. So, I just want to repeat that one part. They quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong became valiant in battle they became valiant in battle turned to flight the armies of the aliens they became valiant in battle God will turn our weakness when we surrender our weakness in private when we choose private passion God responds with the, that's why the Bible says blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of God when you're poor in spirit, meaning that you know you need God, he gives you his kingdom. He lets you move in his power. He lets you move in his glory, in his presence. Because you say, Lord, I'm nothing without you. And when you know how to be a lamb in private, he will make you a lion in public. This is why Jesus was both a lion and a lamb. He knew how to be a sacrifice, but he feared no man. The righteous are as bold as a lion. And God is calling you the righteous. The Bible says we are his righteousness, which means God is calling you bold. I don't know if you're hearing what I'm saying. You may feel afraid. You may be watching and you may feel afraid. You may be listening and you feel afraid. But the God, but the Lord is calling you bold. The Lord is saying you are as bold as a lion. You are more than a conqueror. He's saying just step. 
wherever the bottom of your feet touches, but you need to step. You need to move, but you need to see my passion. And when you identify with my passion, it will provoke you to action. There is no way you know the Lord and you're not compelled to speak for him and you're not compelled to pray for others because when you identify with what he identifies with, then you're gonna have to act. It's gonna lead you to action. And this is what God is saying. Seek me in private and I will use you. And when you step out on faith, when you step out on faith and you're about the Father's business, he's going to be about your business. And he's going to give you fresh revelation. And he's going to pour himself out because you are doing what he loves, what is precious to him. In private, he will pour himself out. He will give you precious experiences and encounters. When you are consistent, when you are willing to step out and be used by God, God is going to show you that he meant you to be extraordinary. The devil needs you to be natural. Why did Satan tempt Jesus? Why did he tell him, if you're the son of God, turn this rock into bread? What anointing turns rock into bread? How did Satan know that he was able to do that? Because the only thing that has made us natural is sin. Without sin, we're immediately supernatural. We're automatically supernatural. So when we're intimate with God, the supernatural is going to flow out of you. It's going to flow out of you. Your cup is going to run over. It's going to spill out. It's going to spill on people. It's going to change lives. The mouth of a righteous, the righteous is a well of, is a, is a well of life. People's life is going to spill out on people. There's going to be growth. Where there's life, there's growth. And, 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 and this is what I'm ending with here. The Bible says, Jesus, when he turned the water into wine, he said, I saved the best wine for last. He said, you drink, you drink the best wine first. But assuredly, I say to you, I saved the best wine for last. And by this he was saying, he said, the latter rain shall be greater than the former. He was saying that there is going to be a revival greater than the book of Acts. That he is not going to end this. He's not going to return. In fact, the Bible says that he tarries his return so that more will repent. He's not going to end this without saving the best for last without saving the best wine. And, and, and what is wine? Well, wine helps us digest the bread, which is the word. He saves the best wine, the best revelation. He saves it for the end. He said, John the Baptist, he said, no greater man has come out of the womb of a woman than John the Baptist, meaning that John the Baptist was the absolute best of the old covenant, and he ended the old covenant with the best. So he's going to end with the best, the best revival the most powerful, and I don't know about you, one way or another, I am part of the beginning of the end. And I declare that Collab 2020 is part of the beginning of the end. If you are hungry, you are part of the beginning. All God needs is hunger, that's all he needs. The Bible says wisdom has set her table. She has prepared her bread and mixed her wine. He, all he needs is your hunger for that table. And for to be like Isaiah and said, Lord, I am here, send me.